Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So last week, we, we, I read this passage and kind of frame this idea of how the Lord is seeking to operate in your life. But this is 2 Chronicles 16, 9 in the first part, and it reveals just to us a, a specific aspect of who God is and what He's doing. But for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. So a little bit of review. We went through several definitions here, but specifically... Turn me down just a little bit. It's ringing, please, Mike. Um, specifically, those whose heart is perfect toward him. The word perfect is the word salim, which is oftentimes translated as peace, which means complete, safe, peaceful, whole, full, at peace, finished. And it denotes covenant of peace. So if you kind of reframe all of that, it, it really more fully could, re and this is the Hebrew perspective of what perfect is, we hear perfect and we think no mistakes. And that's just not the perspective. That's not the understanding that's revealed in this passage. It's those whose hearts are at peace with Him. Those whose hearts are established in the covenant of peace. Those whose hearts are complete. Not perfect in behavior, because that's impossible, but those who know that you have a whole relationship with God. Why? Because as we celebrated during communion, what Christ did was on our behalf bore the penalty that separated us from relationship with the Father, right? Bore the penalty that, that, that where we should deserve death in infinitum, is that how you say that word? <laughs> you know, infinitely separated from Him, Jesus bore that penalty. And I, I know some people have questions about uh, why God can justify eternal, infinite spiritual separation for what you might perceive as a temporary physical crime, so to speak. But let me just tell you, there's an element about you of, in spirit that knows you are accountable to your Father in divine justice uh, for eternity rather than just temporary. I know, I know that that's a little specific, but I just, you know, some people struggle with that. I don't understand why God, well, there's just, first off, there's just, you don't, you just, can I say this? You don't know everything. <laughs> He's God and you're not. And that should be enough but I get it. We, you know, it's our fathers. Like we want to sort these things out. How in the world is that? Why is that a reality? I don't understand. Well, there's an element about you that is spiritual, that is accountable eternally to Him, which makes us even more thankful for Jesus. I just felt like saying that, and hopefully that's meaningful to somebody. But I want to walk through this process and, and read a good bit because you know. This idea of having a heart that's perfect or at peace toward Him 
And then couple that also with what Marielle was talking about in that in life, you're going to go through some stuff and you must be able to get a hold of your thoughts, bring them in alignment to what Christ was obedient to, allow the word to build you up so that you experience a transformation and you walk free. Not just for you, but the people that God's called you to go minister to. I'm telling you, we got to get a bigger picture for our Christianity than just our own salvation. You are a king and a priest, just like Jesus, representing God on this planet. We are part of His kingdom. We are to, we are to, we are to put the labor in to experience the rest that's in Him through what Christ did for us so that we are confident ambassadors of His kingdom. Because there's people around you dying that don't know Him. There's people around you that, that are just carrying these weights and they don't know they can be free. They can be free from the stuff that we carry. You know, you can walk in and the, the lying evil spirit that's been tormenting them for 20 years is like, oh, Hans is here, I got to go. I mean, that's what they did with Jesus. We have that power. And it's not just that. It's, it's helping people gain the power to master their own domain, right? To, to be the priest of their own temple, to, to keep things in order in a righteous and holy pattern that glorifies God. So that when we're in a moment and the Lord needs to move on us to be the, the vessel in that moment, we're ready, right? It's not just about you getting saved and you getting blessed. That's what He wants. He wants... We should be more blessed than anybody on the planet. Why? So that we can be a blessing. But part of that is having this perfect heart toward Him. Having this whole heart toward Him. And the way that you do that is you let the Word be your guide. You become adept at sowing the Word in there. See, you know, what I love about what she did was she went, the Lord took her to the Word. I don't know how it worked, you know. It, maybe she opened it and she pointed. I doubt it. But my guess is she had that. She'd read it somewhere. She want maybe not. I'm assuming, but this is how it happens with me. You know, you hear a concept that's in the Bible, and you're like, yeah, I'm not, I, can't, I don't really know what book or chapter. Thank God for Google. <laughs> we go and you search. And it's like, oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, and, then, and then it's like, oh, man, it's alive, you know. And the more, the more it's in there, the more it has the capacity to take even deeper root and be life for you so that you can eat the fruit of it. But you are responsible for that process within in your heart. So Jesus makes the distinction here. I want to talk a little bit about the heart. You know, again, piggybacking off of last week, the Lord is seeking to show Himself strong. How many of you want to experience the strength of the Lord in whatever capacity it might be? And, and, and He's seeking to do it in every way. We want to experience His strength in every way. And you do so as your heart is at peace toward Him, as you know that you're established in this covenant of peace, as your heart is in alignment or whole or complete toward Him, right? But it's your responsibility to keep your heart in that position. Well, I got a, weak, a wicked and deceitful heart. I can't do that. Well, I got some good news for you because there is this thing called the new covenant. Just some detail. Jesus prays here, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, when they were trying to trick him. 
the lawyers were trying to, the old covenant lawyers were trying to, um, you know, they, you, they had lawyers for the old covenant to bring in, to figure out how to actually apply the word in that moment. I mean, it's kind of an interesting process. We still got to, well, anyway, let me keep going. So verse 22, so this is Matthew twenty two thirty seven. This is Jesus in response. When Jesus said to him, you shall, you know, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your might, in another passage he says. So he makes the distinction between heart, mind, and soul, right? He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So your mind is an element of keeping your mind on him. And this is all you. You know, again, I'm thinking about real life in a situation like what Marielle described, if she didn't take responsibility over that and be willing to be corrected by the Spirit, be willing to let the Word convict in that moment, not condemn, but convict to redirect so that it turns to life and her life is going to be forever changed about that. The memory of her mother's redeemed, right? That's a very practical element, but we are all living in these opportunities and the stuff that we're dealing with, you can be free from because the Word will set you free. The truth sets you free. I, I, lo I, I love that. And, and let me keep going. So, but he makes the distinction between the heart. Now, yes, before Christ, your heart was wicked and deceitful. Yes, all of mankind had these wicked and deceitful hearts, but as a promise of the new covenant prophesied all the way back from Ezekiel, this is Ezekiel 36, 26. This is then mirrored in Colossians 2, if you want to, get to go do the research, where a circumcision without hands was performed on you, then removing the body of flesh. This is what this is talking about. He removes that old heart, puts a new heart in. And the heart is the inner you. The heart really is what defines the kind of being that you are. And this is what happens when you're born again, when you say yes to Jesus, when God puts His Spirit in you, all, however you want to say it. A new heart, say new heart. I have a new heart. So a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Now, do you take that literally? Because some people read this kind of stuff, and they're just like, they kind of put heart in this realm of, you know, I don't really understand that. Nothing really changes, but there's something new in there. I'm a new creature, but yet nothing really changed. But it's a, it's a great idea. Like a lot of these are just ideas and concepts. I think something actually happens. I think there's a physic to spirit. And it's more real than the physical elements of this dimension. That dimension is more real than this dimension. And this is a spiritually dimensional event that happens on the inside of you because you are spirit in part. So something actually changes within you. You get a new heart. You get a new heart. And that heart is a heart like God's heart. Like David prayed, created me a clean heart. Now, I know some people thinking, well, if you say you have no sin, blah, 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 well, I'll deal with that tomorrow maybe. Meet you back here at 7 o'clock. If you have a problem with that, let's talk about it. Uh, a new heart also I'll give you, and a new spirit, say new spirit, will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, the spirit is his spirit. That's what moves. This is what moves us from death to life. We were dead in our sin. Now we are alive in him because of this. This is all happening at the same time. And then, then you live in this, and this is Proverbs 4.23, above all else. 
sorry to make you repeat so much, but say all else. It's pretty important. Above all else, guard your heart, especially once you get the new one. Above all else, guard your heart. Now, if you go into, I've got a, I have a whole 10-part series on my website about the heart. It's called Living from the Heart. It's free. You can go watch it or listen to it. Actually, listen to it is before we had good video, but uh, there are some, you know, you don't have to listen to the whole thing, but there are some single messages in there where I break down more about this heart. So I'm not going to go into that too much, but I want to just make the point above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, granted, this is the NIV, which some people call it the nearly inspired version. <laughs> and I understand that. There's some things I don't like about it, but I used, I picked that one for this just because of the way that it's worded is really good. Um, you know, other passages, other translations, be diligent to guard your heart. But the, the original language does denote this is a preeminent thing to do. Guard, above all else, guard your heart because it affects everything that you do. Everything that you believe, every decision that you make, every situation that you allow yourself to get into at an even deeper than conscious level, what you believe in your heart will determine what you allow yourself to go into. It's, it's that self-portrait, it's that picture, it's that image if you have a picture, you know, so like some of you that have never been a smoker, if I offer you a cigarette, you're like, I don't want that. Like, why? Well, I don't, I'm not a smoker. I don't, I don't smoke. But some of you that are like, ooh, that looks kind of good. Maybe I'll just have just one. You know, you kind of see yourself as a smoker. Well, you can do that with anything. You actually can change the picture that you have of yourself on the inside and be free from anything that causes you to stumble. And it's, and it's permanent and it's powerful. Amen? And you can live in the power of it. It's the power of the Spirit in you. It's not the power of your heart, but your heart protects what the Spirit is seeking to do within you, but it also might limit what the Spirit is seeking to do on the inside of you. So what you believe in your heart affects everything. So you want to guard your heart. Uh, so let's go into this. I'm going to read through. This is a parable that Jesus gives in Mark 4. You know, He's teaching on the parable of the sower, and he says, and, and, he, and he paints the picture of the four different types of soil in Mark 4. And, and um, you know, a lot of times it's, that parable is taught as if it's four kinds of people, but it's actually four different responses to the Word. It's four different heart positions to the Word. And in fact, on the inside of you, because the heart's dynamic, your heart might respond all four different ways in different areas. There's are some areas where you're very receptive to the Word and it's easy and boom, man, you just live it out. But there's some areas where your heart doesn't have the root of the Word on the inside of it and you don't, you don't live in the power of that. But you can change that. How? You guard your heart and you sow the Word. And you let me, well, let me read through it because he does. Jesus does a better job than I do explaining it, so let's go there. So this is Mark 4, uh, 13. He starts in, and this is after the fact. He's privately with the disciples, and he kind of reveal, he reveals to them what he means by the parable. And I this is something that I talk about all the time. In fact, I we probably read through the, this particular section more than most 
annually. I probably go back to this two, three, maybe four times a year. And it just feels like it's a good time to do it, especially piggybacking off of the idea that a perfect heart toward him experiences strength. You have the responsibility to guard your heart. What all else is going on with your heart, right? So let's talk about it. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parable? And I'll, I'll, I'll transition through. So basically, um, how, how are you going to understand anything? In another other uh, area, Matthew 13, um, he talks about, uh, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand anything that I teach, right? So the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in their hearts. So right here we have the precedent. The word is sown in the heart, right? Jesus teaches, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart. So, And I'm getting technical, and, and it really doesn't even matter if you know this, but what does matter is if you take the responsibility to host the word inwardly and give it the opportunity to be life for you. See, because we need to change. And there's some things that you're not living in a way that's honoring God. And, and, and how are you going to change it? You got to give the, the word, not just the letter of the law, but the living element of God made flesh, the Logos, becoming a reality within you to produce transformation. And it starts with mind renewal. So the first part of sowing the word is changing the way that you think. So if you're struggling with any area of your life at all, go to the word and find out what the word says about that area of life. If you got sexual issues, you got financial issues, you got relational issues, whatever it is, go find out what the word says about it. And, and then do it. <laughs> You know, this is what we do with the Word. Anybody ever gone on YouTube and, and looked up how to fix something? Sarah's the latch in her console broke, and we had to order a new one. And it wasn't that complicated. But we ordered it and had a little spring, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, I, I kind of see, but I'm not really sure. I got all the parts here, but I don't know how to get it in there right. So I went on YouTube, and I'm like, oh, okay. So you turn the spring this way, you put it in. And there's even a warning that the guy says, and then I watch out when you do this because you kind of force it, but it feels like it's going to break. Don't worry about it. Get the spring this way, and boom, click, click, boom. Now it works, right? She's been riding around with a thing sticking up like this, and that's no fun. We're... Uh, but, you know, I, I just go to YouTube to watch how to fix latches on cars for the fun of it. I needed to fix something. And so I went to that video specifically because I was going to do something about it. I think we way too often, this is what we do with the Word. We read it. We have no intention to put it into practice. Zero. And, you know, we stay away from the Word because we want to be spiritual. And it's like uh, God's bigger than His book and, you know, whatever. It's like, I don't know. Sorry to sound critical, but charismatics especially, we don't go to the Word. We want to be all spirit, you know. But we have to treat the Word as an instruction manual for life. You need to change. Don't you? How are you going to do it? You go there. You find out what it says. You repent if necessary. In other words, you get your line, your line of thinking in agreement with how God thinks about that subject. And then you figure out how to turn that little spring and click the thing and you know, so that it works for you. Does that make sense? And this is the process that he's talking about.
The, the effectiveness of it is how much am I actually paying attention to where that spring goes. I could watch the video. So anyway, let's keep going. These are the ones wayside where the, where the word is sown. When they hear Satan comes immediately, takes away the word that was sown. Now, the, the enemy cannot just show up into your life and pull the word out of there. How does, how does the enemy take um, the word out of your heart? Well, in church, when it gets warm, you start hearing a voice that says, I'd rather take a nap. Can we cool it down a little bit in here? Somebody switch it. Just maybe one degree difference because otherwise we'll freeze out. I see you. I see the fans. I feel you. Everybody good? I was getting a little warm. All right, so how? How does the enemy? And now these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. So that's one. The first one is uh, the word comes, the enemy takes it away. Now this is the second response. These likewise, so in the same way, so he's basically saying, he's describing how it works. This, it works the same way as how the enemy, so, but, but the, anyways, the point being, this is the tool that the enemy will use to get the word plucked up out of your heart. It's you letting it, but maybe the enemy participates by reinforcing what it, the, this right here, right? So these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground uh, who they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and then they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises. Uh, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. You ever been there? Man, ah, this is exciting. I didn't know that. Woo! And then something comes that like contradicts that word. And goes, I don't know about that. That's what the enemy will use. Oh, you know, I'm not really sure healing is going to work for you. Remember that church you grew up in and they really taught you and showed you how healing is not for today. So, uh, you know, you, you might start to get a glimpse of what healing could be. Oh, maybe I, I do kind of see it could be in the atonement. Yeah, maybe. But no, 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 no. I had 27 years of this. and no, Of course not. No. I'm trying not to look because it's like I know that battle goes on on the inside. And, and however it relates to you, you know, you hear the word. Maybe you hear Maybe, maybe you hear that you could be free from the sexual trauma that you experienced as a child, but it still eats you up and you hate that person and you don't know that you can ever be free from it, but you hear that you can be free. And then the, but what is it that comes in? It's the, it's the tribulation and the persecution for the word's sake. So the way that the word gets sown, stolen out of your heart or becomes unproductive or unfruitful is you hear it, and now these words, um, tribulation and persecution, it basically means pressure or distress. So pressure comes as you're trying to stand on the word. And if you haven't really taken the time to let it take deep roots within you and become more real to you than that situation, then, it, then, it, then that's unfruitful. That, that word can't do anything for you even though it's the eternal, powerful, living Word of God that has the power to transform you and change you and shape your life and save you and deliver you and make you whole and all that stuff, it's not because God becomes ineffective or because God chooses to take His hand back. It's because the receptiveness of your heart allows the pressure to nullify the promise that that Word could bring about in your life. Are you with me? Now, praise God over in 1 John, God's bigger than your heart. Maybe we'll go here next week. 
just just to kind of button up this uh, this whole idea. But if you ever go to the scripture to stand on a promise and you're believing for something and it's appropriate for you to do so because Jesus paid for it in his death, burial, and resurrection in either a circumstance or somebody else contradicts it or maybe something causes some doubt within you, you have the responsibility to repent and believe the word above all else. And that is the process of guarding your heart, renewing your mind, bringing your mind captive. You're not a victim of your thoughts unless you want to be. Now, people don't know this. People don't know that you can decide what you're going to think about. And it's a great idea to choose the Word of God to think about. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, you ever had this thing in your mind and you read across something in the Word and you're like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Then you start to read it more and you're like, no, okay, I see that, but it's not real for me. And then you read it for more and you're like, man, okay, this is true. This is the reality, but it's hard for me to live that. And then you get to the point where you're like, man, wow, I can actually feed on the Word of God and it strengthens me and this is my reality. This is what I want for my life. Have you ever been through that process? And this is what it's talking about, feeding on the Word to make a difference. So then he goes to the third one. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the Word of God and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in and choke the Word and it becomes unfruitful. What becomes unfruitful? The Word. Why? Because it got choked out. Why? Because of the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, worry, fear, anxiety that contradicts. And it's an identity thing. It's a 100% identity thing. You've got to know who you are in Christ and what He paid for for you to experience so that you have some boundaries that your heart to do the work of guarding the Word on the inside of there. Above all else, you got to do whatever you got to do to make sure that you believe the Word more than any other thing in your life because it's more real than anything. It's pretty basic, but this is actually a, a way for you to experience transformation. Uh, and so, but these are the ones, this is the fourth one, but these are the ones sown on good ground those who hear the word. Now, it's interesting. The Hebrew perspective of the word hear is hear and obey. You know, so like if I just enjoyed watching latch fixing videos on YouTube, <laughs> Sarah asks me to fix it maybe. Well, yeah, I think I'll go watch a video. And it's like, ooh, that was pretty interesting. I kind of like the way that sounded clicking in there. That was kind of cool. I'm going to watch that again. But then I don't do anything about it. Are you with me? That's what we do. How are you going to put it into practice? What are you actually going to do about it? But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word. And again, the Hebrew concept of the word hear is hear and obey. So you go to the word because you're actually looking for something to do. Not because you owe it to God, not because it's a law, not because you've got to make him happy and keep him from being mad at you, but because he said, I've given you life. This will explain to you how to live it. Feed on it. And it's powerful, and it will change your life. And then you go, and you read it, and you do what it says, and watch it work, because it's powerful. Amen? So, but it bears fruit, some 60, some 
some 30, some 60. And th this is the part that's interesting. You know, those of us that believe in miracles and we pray for somebody, it's like, how you feel? It's like a zero scale of zero to 10. You feeling better? You 2% better? You three, number three, or four, where are you? Seven, you know, we do that because it's kind of inherent to us to know that that, that, that fruit of the word sometimes is full and sometimes it's partial. And, and that, that's, that's the element of hosting the word long enough to let it bear full fruit within you. But you got to be willing to make that change. You got to be willing to change the way that you think. You got to be willing to change how you see yourself. And you got to take the word to do that. And those whose heart are at perfect peace are whole toward him because you've guarded your heart. Specifically, you've guarded the word in your heart. You experience the strength of the Lord. Let me, it's, it's just so good. Let me, let me finish here because we're. So also, he said to them, and now, now he's, so he told them, right, this is what the word's going to do. Then he kind of paints the picture a little bit different way. He gets poetic for the artists. How many artists are in the room? You know, you need a little flowery language. I love you. Also, he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lamp? So he's talking about, you get this revelation, you get the word, you got to hold on to it. You got to put it in a place where it illuminates so you can see some things. This is a big deal. Once you see that thing in the Word that can make a difference in your life, you got to keep it in an area where it starts to illuminate where you need to make a decision. Or it's like, man, phew, that was a good message. Uh, yeah, what are you going to do with it? Uh, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is, not, is it not to be set on a lamp? For there's nothing hidden which will not be revealed. So in other words, God's not keeping secrets from you. He wants you to know. Uh, there's nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone hears, or if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said, take heed what you hear. Say that with me. Take heed what you hear. This is huge. This is the key element of guarding your heart. Take heed what you hear. What are you hearing? Specifically in relation to the Word. What are you letting speak to you? You know, in Marielle's case, it was the negativity, and she wasn't even aware of it. That's where most of us are. We're not even really aware of what we're hearing. Isn't this fun? I mean, I hope it's not a burden to you. Where you're like, man, now I got to go. I want you to go out of here and be serious about actually being a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Now, he loves you. You continue in sin. He's not mad at you. He's not that happy that you're doing it, but he's not seeking to judge you. He's not going to start taking things away from you because you're not living in a way that makes him happy. But once you step into this aspect of wanting to be a grown adult and actually live this stuff out, this is how you do it. Not just for you, but for the, your family. I had this idea come across my mind. It's like, man, we owe it to our children to know who we are in Christ. Because they're watching. Where else are they going to learn how to do life? Uh, and he says this, Take heed what you hear with the same measure you use. In other words, the degree, thought, intention, awareness, capacity to lean into the Word, to actually do it, uh, will be measured back to you. It will be measured to you and to you who hear, more will be given. Now, 
For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even that which he has will be taken away from him. This is just a law of how things work. This is a sowing and reaping thing. This is not God to say, saying, good job, you meditated on the word, now I'm going to give it to you. You didn't meditate on the word, I'm going to take this away from you. That, it's not God doing this. It's just, this is an effect of it. You know, you want more of what you got in a good way? Keep sowing the word. Grow the word. Let it grow. So then he says, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed in the ground and should sleep. Uh, you know, this, so this is the, I love this because essentially now he's speaking plainly and clearly and he ties the word producing fruit in your life to you experiencing the kingdom of God. You can experience the kingdom in this earth. The fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the benefits of being an inheritance of this new covenant in Christ, which is spirit, soul, and body. So they said, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed in the ground. This is how it works, right? And should sleep by night. Now, I don't know. This is important because it's the sower that sows the word, but then it's as if he's reeling, revealing, you know, what you're really doing is you're, you're, you're putting your heart in a position to experience the kingdom. This is how the kingdom works. A man casting seed in the ground. And I don't have a big revelation on that, but I just, it's interesting the, mecha, the, 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 the literary tool that happens here. He's talking about sowing the word, but then he starts talking about the kingdom works by sowing. You want to experience the kingdom, keep the word primary, and the kingdom will bear fruit in your life. I know that that wasn't like super clear. Here's what I know. The best sermons that I preach are the conversations that you have with God while I'm up here running my mouth. You know, so if you run off and you're like, oh, that was really good. What do you say? Don't worry about it. Those are better sermons anyway. <laughs> the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed in the ground and he sleep by night, rise by day, and the seed should sprout. What's the seed? Also, the kingdom, right? The effect of the kingdom. The, the word is seeds of the kingdom, life of the kingdom. It, patience, you need, the, you need the seed of patience, you need the fruit of patience, you need the fruit of wisdom. Those are kingdom uh, realities. Yes, thank you. Things. <laughs> Sounds like... <laughs> this is how it works. Because we all want to know how it works. How do I change? God, would you do this? Well, you know what? Host the Word. This is how the Word of God works in you. You sleep by night, by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself. The earth is the heart. First the blade, then the ear. Even after that, the full grain in the ear. Uh, when it ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, and, it, and it, the harvest has come. Putting in the sickle is taking action, taking a step. And I liken putting in the sick, but, but again, how does the kingdom work? It works while you're at rest. Now, that's the trick, laboring while you're resting. What are you resting? Not your, you're not ceasing from works. You're ceasing from dead works. You're ceasing from trying to pray just the right way to get God to respond to you. you know, so the rest is... I'm resting in the fact that everything that I feel like I need to ask God for, He's really already given me in Christ. 
So I'm resting in that it's a reality within me. His kingdom was in me. It's trying to grow. It's trying to produce. It's trying to yield. It's trying to lead me. So I'm resting in the fact that I'm already one with him. He's already given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. I don't need to convince him. And he's not withholding when I fail. I'm resting. I'm resting in what Christ did. I'm resting in what Christ did. But I'm fiercely, actively believing and I'm putting in the labor and the work to get myself in alignment so that it'll just grow on its own. It's so paradoxical, but this is the way that it works. How do you get God to move in your life? Go take a nap. Honestly, we mess stuff up more than we get it to work. But it's resting from the place of being finished in Him and knowing who He is. It's why you got to know that He's good. It's why you got to know that the eyes of the Lord are seeking What's the look on his face? You missed it. You missed it. No. Well, what's he trying to do? He's trying to show himself strong on your behalf. He's not seeking to whom to judge. He's not seeking whom to kill. He's not seeking whom, let me give you a flat tire because that'll really teach you a lesson this morning and then your life will be forever great because you're going to try. No, it's not gonna, I'm not going to cancer, pepper, loss, whatever. It's not what he's, he's seeking to show himself strong. for those who have a receptive heart toward Him. Can I say it that way? That's your responsibility. It's why you got to stay out of sin. Because sin wrecks your heart's capacity to host the Word of God. Sin brings in guilt, condemnation, and you don't feel worthy of it, and then you start to doubt it, and then you start to forgive it. And you're like, I'm just going to live over here. I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to... This is my life over here. And we have whole denominations based on all that. Man, I swear I could probably go another hour, but I just... You want to experience God's strength in your life? Because this is where we live. We live where we need to see God move in our lives. We need to see things change. We're hurting, we're broken, and we're broke. And we're confused, and we're afraid, and we're scared, and we don't know what to do. But God is seeking to show Himself strong on your behalf. And if you would dare to let the Word of God actually create hope within you, then you position your heart to let the Word do what it does, and it will produce on its own. Just don't choke it as it's trying to grow. Does that make sense? And I know we talk about this a lot, but it's just so important. Feed on the Word until it actually gives you some, gives you some hope, and then hold on to that hope, and then last thing, there comes an opportunity where grace will empower you and strengthen you. And I talk, you know, I don't know how to, I just, I can see this and I'll, maybe I'll have the words one day, but to me, so let's say there's an area of your life and you're struggling and you see it in the word, but it's not in your life and you want it and you hope for it. Now you can sit in this position where you're afraid and you're worried and it's like, well, God, please do something to help rescue me, save me. And you're just really hiding and you don't really believe that he's able to save you, you know, and you're judging him for not saving you. Or it's like, no, I, th this actually could make a difference in my life. And I actually could step into this patience. This anger could step back. This sin habit could, you know, the grace creates margin for you to step into that place of victory and push it back and cast sin away and cast fear and doubt away until the next thing you know, you keep taking one step and grace affords you the opportunity to kind of step into it. And, and it's, it's, like, it's like hope. Hope will create a moment where there's a glimpse of this could be different 
And then how do you step into that so that you own that space that that hope created for you in that moment? Are you with me? If there's a better way to say it, let's talk about it because it's an interesting idea, but it's like the hope will create, you know, it's like the word illuminates. Oh, I'm going to step there. And it's different in every situation, but you got to own it. We get these revelations and it's wonderful, but then we don't do anything about it. You don't get the spring in the right way to latch it so your wife's happy. (laughs) But it's all there and it's pretty amazing. I recommend go read it. And let it become alive for you. Not just for you, because there's people out there that need you to be whole and healed. (sighs) And yes, for you too. I mean, I'm I'm just hearing this. Yes, for you too. Not just them. Yes, for you too. No, I don't, but, but this person's already decided this, and it's, it's, this is just where, well, you know what? God can make a way where there is no way. Quit hanging you experiencing the promises of God on somebody else making a decision. Let it become a reality for you. If it's promised in the life, death, and burial, and resurrection of Christ, and hold on to it, and let that other person deal with their stuff. Amen? All right. Let's stand up if you would. Thanks, Chris. I think we'll just... Jesus, we trust you. We love you. Thank you for your word. I'm committed to it. I'm not just going to listen to it. I'm not just going to look at it. I'm actually going to seek you to put it into practice because you are seeking to show yourself strong on my behalf, and I want to experience your strength for me and for those that you're calling me to. We trust you and we love you. We praise your name, in Jesus' name, amen.